This morning, we're beginning a new sermon series in the book of Psalms entitled Faithful Forever, Exploring the Enduring Redemptive Love of God. Psalms is a lengthy book in your Bible, and it contains 150 separate Hebrew poems or songs. The individual psalms were written by a number of authors, including King David, Moses, the sons of Korah, and Asaph. The psalms also cover a myriad of topics. There are psalms of praise, psalms of remembrance, psalms of complaint, and psalms of confession, like the one we used even this morning. As we make our way through a selection of psalms over the next few months, I trust that we'll all take time to notice time and time again that each psalm is filled with refreshing honesty, a lot of raw emotion, and at the end of the day, a great confidence in the unchanging character and purposes of our triune God. Our speaker again this morning is J.R. Foster, our local area coordinator for Reformed University Fellowship. J.R., come and bring us what God has prepared for us. Good morning. Uh, It's good to be with all of you again uh, for a second week. And uh, it's actually a little bit warmer than I I thought it would be. It feels a little warmer than last week, certainly because of the wind uh, or lack thereof. We're going to be looking uh, in Psalm, uh, the sixth Psalm, Psalm 6 this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can certainly open there. Um, I'm a big fan of music, and uh, I love all sorts of music. There's one, I have a, a really, on Spotify, I have a, a really large playlist uh, that's just a little bit of everything. And uh, one song that I have on that list that I I'm always happy when it, when, it, uh, when it comes on, is a song by Ray Charles. It's a song called Hard Times. Uh, maybe you know that song. Uh, it's certainly one of his, uh, one of his more well-known uh, songs. But in this song, Hard Times, Ray Charles sings this. He, said there, he says, my mother told me before she passed away, said, son, when I'm gone, don't forget to pray because there'll be hard times. Lord, those hard times who knows better than I? Hard times. As we live in this broken world, a world where things aren't the way that they're supposed to be, one thing you can be assured of is that there'll be hard times. And who knows hard times better than many of us? But as we live life in this broken world, as we experience those hard times, we groan in this world. Okay, these hard times, they come to us all. And as a result of those hard times, we groan. This is Paul's language in Romans 8. Uh, In Romans 8, Paul at one point is speaking of the, the future redemption of our bodies uh, that, that comes through Jesus. And he says that as we wait for that future redemption of our bodies that comes through Jesus Christ, he says in the meantime, we groan. We ache. We long for something different than what we're experiencing right now. And more often, not, not, more often than not, this groaning, this aching, this longing More often than not, this groaning speaks through the emotions that we feel. Fear, anger, 
shame. Emotions like these, they are the words of our groaning in a broken world. These emotions often tell us that things just aren't the way that they're supposed to be, that things just aren't right in the world. And in today's text, we're going to listen to this groaning as it speaks to us in particular through the emotion of anxiety. So Psalm chapter 6, this is God's word. It is our rule for faith and for life. Psalm 6, to the choir master with stringed instruments, according to the Sheminith, Psalm of David. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you thanks? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes, or my eye, wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, you are gracious and good to your needy children. And we come as such children needing bread from our good Father. We ask your favor now upon our time as we delight in and meditate upon the word of God this morning. We pray that we may, that we may be as trees planted by streams of water. Would you make it so, we pray. For we ask in the name of Jesus, amen. When I was a, a, a boy, a child, I was a mama's boy. Few things uh, filled my soul with more anxiety than being separated from my mom. I'd be so embarrassed to tell you the number of times that I missed school growing up, not because of a virus, but simply because I, I made myself physically ill at the thought of being separated from my mom. Anxiety. Okay, this is the emotion that we're gonna look at this morning as we study it in the context of David's groaning in Psalm 6. Three things I wanna look at as we, as we study this psalm. First, what anxiety is. Second, what anxiety teaches us about our hearts. And then third and finally, what anxiety teaches us about God. So first, what anxiety is. 
Uh, One dictionary said, anxiety is a state of uneasiness and apprehension. According to another dictionary, it's an abnormal or overwhelming sense of apprehension. We all know what it's like to feel uh, anxious. We all know this uneasiness, this apprehension. When we're anxious, these feelings, they, they, they consume us. And of course, anxiety, it's not just something that a child feels like I did when I was a, a young boy. Uh, it's something that we feel as adults as well. Introducing me last week, Steve mentioned that I served RUF as a campus minister at Virginia Tech. And uh, after the shootings at Virginia Tech that were in April 2007, my students, they struggled immensely with anxiety in the months that followed. Okay, but it doesn't have to be an extreme example like that. It would be easy enough to see why they might feel anxious. But it doesn't have to be an extreme example like that. It can be fearing an unknown future, performing well in school. It can be, you know, hitting your sales marks, your goals at work, caring for your aging parents, raising your children, struggling in your your marriage, experiencing injustice, impressing your friends, working alongside a a negative coworker, pleasing your family, struggling with regrets, and of course from this week, watching yet more violence in our divided nation. All of these things have a way of of filling our lives, of filling our, our hearts with anxiety, that state of overwhelming uneasiness and apprehension. Now we see in our text this morning, that, that the writers of the Bible, they're not strangers to this anxiety that we feel. Boy, we so often forget that, that, that they were people just like us. They also lived and groaned in a broken world as they experienced life here. Hard times came even to the inspired writers of the Bible, including David, King David, the David, as we see here in Psalm 6. Uh, think, of the, think of the next minute or so as a, a little bit of a parenthesis. I, I want to talk just for a moment uh, about the titles that you see in Psalms. You're going to be coming across these in the next several months. Uh, it, it, let me just make a comment about them. Maybe you've wondered what these, these titles are at the beginning of, of the Psalms. In the case of Psalm 6, the title says, Something like this, depending on your translation, it said to the choir master with stringed instruments, according to the Shemineth, a psalm of David. These titles are a little bit of a mystery. Um, Scholars aren't necessarily sure whether or not they were part of the inspired text. Some say yes, uh, others say no. At the very least, uh, these titles do provide us some insight into the psalm's historical context and uh, in, in, into the, um, the usage of the psalm. Sometimes these psalms will relate to a very specific event. If you have a Bible with you, you can just glance back at Psalm 3, and you'll see there that it mentions in particular an event that inspired David to write Psalm 3. Most of the time, though, uh, these, are just, the, these titles are just musical in nature. 
You might not realize this, but uh, the, the Psalms were the, uh, the hymn book of the Old Testament church, Israel. Uh, and so as a result, in much the same way that in our modern hymnals, there are musical notations, uh, that, that's what often these titles are, are musical notations. But now as we, as we look at the text in more detail, it's easy to see that King David feels anxiety. He feels that state of overwhelming uneasiness and apprehension. Exactly what the source of David's anxiety is, we're, we're not altogether sure that we have a good idea. Verse 1 suggests maybe it's his sin. He, he references God's wrath, God's anger uh, toward him. Maybe it's for sin. Verses 7, 8, 10, if you, you were to look at those, uh, they might suggest that, um, that the, um, his anxiety stems from his enemies. Uh, this is what I tend to think about, about the text. Maybe it's some combination of both. Uh, and that's the source of his anxiety, both his sin uh, as well as the enemies around him. But we look, uh, look at these images that David uses to describe this anxiety. Look, look at verse 2. David there describes, he says that he's troubled down to his bones. So great is his anxiety. Verses 4 and 5, he, he describes his life as, as being in danger. Verse 6, he said is it, he's a man whose bed and couch are soaked with tears. Verse 7, he says that his body is weak. I mean, hearing that, I bet that, that we can all relate to David. Whether it's being troubled down to your bones. Have you ever been troubled down to your bones? Maybe you've, you've certainly you know, drenched your, your, your bed, your couch in tears at times. We know what it's like to feel the sort of anxiety that David feels here. The state of overwhelming uneasiness and apprehension, and it can consume us. And there seems to be little else that we can do but feel this anxiety. And like David in verse three, we're left to confess simply, but you, O Lord, how long? I bet we've said that more this year or in 2020 than we, than we have in the whole of our lives. But you, O Lord, how long? So David feels anxiety. You and I feel anxiety. None of this is a secret. Again, we live in a broken world. We groan with anxiety in this world. We know anxiety, we know what it is. But now what? What, what, do, we do, with, what do we do with this anxiety if we know what it is? Um, authors Dan Allender and Tremper Longman, they've taught me something about our emotions what they've taught me is that there's something more to our emotions than meets the eye. There's more to our emotions than just the emotion itself. Behind these emotions, um, Allender and Longman say, behind these emotions, there's actually a question that our hearts uh, are asking. There's a question that is churning within us. This is what anxiety teaches us about our hearts. Our second point, our emotion, you see, is a kind of, uh, it's a symptom, 
of a deeper question that is churning within us. You know, if, if, you, were to, if you were to contract COVID-19, you'd, you'd likely have symptoms like a fever, achiness, uh, the telltale sign of losing your sense of taste and smell, right? These are symptoms, they're outward symptoms of a, of a deeper inward problem, a virus. Well, according to, according to Allender and Longman, our emotions, they are an outward symptom of a deeper inward question that is churning within us. So when you and I feel anxiety, when we feel that overwhelming sense of apprehension and, and, and uneasiness, there's actually a deeper question that is churning within us. And with anxiety like David's, that deeper question is this. Can I trust God in this moment? Can I trust God at this moment? Can I trust God with this failed relationship? Can I trust God when I'm not meeting the expectations of my parents? Can I trust God with my children? Can I trust God with my, my past regrets? Can I trust God with the, the injustice that I've experienced? Can I trust God with my dreams? Can I trust God with my money? Can I trust God when my nation is as divided as it is? Can I trust God? That, I believe, is, is the question that is at the heart of our anxiety that we feel. Think back to, again, an extreme example with Virginia Tech. I know many of my students and their anxiety at that time, it's centered around this very question, can I trust God? Can I trust God just walking back into a classroom? Can I trust God when I hear a siren in the distance? Can I trust God when there's a loud sound that I wasn't expecting around me? Can I trust God uh, when there's yet another mass shooting? Or let's think closer to home. Much of our own anxiety this year and in this last week has to do with this question, can I trust God? I'm feeling an overwhelming sense of, of uneasiness and apprehension right now. Can I trust God in the next two weeks? Can I trust God in the next two years? Can I trust God in the next four years? Consumed as we are with anxiety, wrestling as we can with the deeper question of God's trustworthiness. Psalm 6 and anxiety, it finally, it, it teaches us about God. After asking that great question, but you, O Lord, how long? In his anxiety, David reminds himself of the trustworthiness of God. He turns from this sort of anxious navel-gazing. He turns from that to his faithful Lord. This is, this is what anxiety teaches us about God, our last point. Verse 4, turn, O Lord. Deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. What's translated in our Bibles in verse 4 as 
steadfast love or depending on your translation, unfailing love or loving kindness. It's a single Hebrew word, the word hesed. And it's a word that means a lot to the Jewish people because it summarizes God's faithfulness to his people. It's, it, it speaks to them of a love that would not let go of them. A love by which God bound himself to his people through his covenant. For David then, in the midst of his anxiety, in the midst of being troubled down to his bones, in the midst of him drenching his couch with tears, for him in the midst of that anxiety, he, he turns to the faithfulness of God. It was for David at that point to remind himself that God is worthy of his trust. It was for him to look away from himself and to look away from his circumstances and to look to the Lord, Yahweh, right? He uses in particular, throughout this psalm, he uses in particular the very covenant name of God, Lord, capitalized all Lord in our translations, but the covenant name Yahweh, I am who I am. Philip Melanchthon was a a fellow reformer and a friend with Martin Luther. And for all his strengths, one of Melanchthon's weaknesses was a propensity for anxiety. And it was in those moments where he would be overcome with anxiety that his friend Martin Luther would say to him, let Philip cease to rule the world. With a similar vision of God's faithfulness of his steadfast unfailing love David knew that God the Lord Yahweh could be trusted in the midst of his anxiety because of his steadfast unfailing love and so David warned his enemies to flee in these final verses of Psalm 6 knowing that God's trustworthy steadfast unfailing love would soon relieve his anxiety And so with our emotions in motion, and more specifically, with our anxiety in turmoil as we groan our way through this broken life, what hope is there? David teaches us to train our minds to dwell in the hope of God's steadfast love. David teaches us here to train our minds to dwell in the hope of Yahweh's steadfast love in our anxiety. This is where David found his hope, was in this covenant love as he faced the troubles that he faced. As the Bible teaches us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever we too can turn to the very same Lord in faith, believing, training our minds in the midst of our anxiety when it begins to consume us, reminding us that he is faithful to his people. The anxiety that we feel related to our health, we train our minds to dwell on the faithfulness of God or in our singleness, or in our money, or our marriage, in our performance. 
the anxiety that we experience because we are, are, are subjected to injustice or our anxiety related to parenting or the abuse that we've been subjected to throughout our lives or depression that we uh, so often feel or the political unrest that is all around us. David teaches us to take that anxiety to train our minds to dwell on the Lord's faithfulness to his children. Now, this is not a promise that he will relieve the source of our anxiety as we might wish him to do. And sometimes he does. Other times he does not. You know, your, your negative coworker might not be fired tomorrow as much as you might love that, and it would relieve your anxiety. But it is a promise here that God is trustworthy, that he is faithful to his people. Hudson Taylor was a, a, a missionary in, in uh, China in the 19th century, an absolute giant in the history of missions. And during a particularly hard financial time in his 50 years of ministry in China, he, wrote, he once wrote to his wife, he said, we have 25 cents and all the promises of God. That's an example of a believer training his mind to dwell in the faithfulness of Yahweh, in the faithfulness of the covenant-keeping Lord. If ever we question this reality for us today, that God is faithful, like, oh, you know, he was faithful to David, sure, but what about today? I want us to think ahead a thousand years from David's life. And there we realize that David's faith in God's steadfast, unfailing love, it was not in vain. No matter what the cause of David's anxiety in Psalm 6, whether it was his sin or the possibility of death, or his enemies, or some combination of all those things, David was confident in the Lord's steadfast, unfailing love that in one day, someday, it would deliver him. And sure enough, in the life, and in the death, and in the resurrection of Jesus, we see even more clearly that David's faith here was not in vain. You see, the gospel teaches us that Jesus is God's remedy to this broken world. When Jesus took on flesh, when he lived among man, he came to rescue his people from this life and the brokenness of this life and all of the anxiety that it stirs up within us. You know, he even led the way in doing so. When, when Jesus himself was faced with anxiety, what did he do? He said, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. Jesus himself trained his mind to dwell in the faithfulness of the Lord. Sin, death, the enemies of God, the brokenness of this world, the, the broken relationships, broken nations, no matter the cause of our anxiety this morning, what God did in the gospel assures us that God does care, that he is worthy of our trust. 
that the Lord meets all those who, like David, who train their mind to dwell upon his trustworthiness, shown to us all the more clearly in Jesus. I close with these words from 1 Peter chapter 5. The apostle writes this in his first letter. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to eternal glory in Christ, God himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, again, we come to you asking that you would make us as trees planted by streams of water. Our Father, in the midst of the anxiety that we experience in this life caused by uh, so much unrest around us, we pray, O oh God, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, establish the Uh, this truth in our minds that you are trustworthy, that your steadfast love is never failing. Oh Lord God, give us faith to believe, to train our minds to dwell on this faithfulness, for we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.